Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships, so you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Building. Got an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is when you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm the co-host Andre Howe. And uh, man, it's awesome, man. We're excited. We got a, uh, an amazing guest on today. Um, you know, HBCU grad, uh, Super Bowl winner. He's Unfortunately, he's not our first Super Bowl winning uh, guest that we've had on the podcast. He'll, he'll make number three for us so far. Um, but with no further ado, we'd love to welcome Coach Terry uh, Braddon on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. So um, our podcast, just in general, we like to just allow people to tell their journeys, tell their stories, um, just for someone that's coming after them that they can understand that it's very much so possible for them to do uh, just that. And they may not understand the routes. Uh, they may see a lot of the, the hype and a lot of the glamour that kind of comes with it. So we just want to be able to uh, allow them to see, you know, the possibilities as well as the struggles, the ups and the downs with that journey. So um, again, we, we, we're, we're pleased to have you. Um, before we even start, we just want to make sure all is well. How's everything going with the family uh, during these times? Uh, my family's doing well. Uh, this is the most time I have spent with them in the last four years because I'm always, I've been chasing a coaching profession and I'm always been away from my family and my son. And they've been here in Florida, but we've been doing well. Thank you for asking. No problem. Good deal. I think that's been one of the silver linings in this situation. Even as you watch the draft, seeing some of the coaches have their kids with them present as they're, you know, doing draft pick, just those times that would normally um, wouldn't be there. So um, definitely there's some silver lining in this. But uh, with no further ado, we'll go ahead and get right in, man. So what we'd like to do is just start from the beginning, man. Tell us where you're from, uh, what it was like growing up, and, you know, tell us a little bit about your family structure. Okay. Um, I'm from Revere Beach, Florida. I've been here um, all my life. I love it here. Well, elementary, like, I've bounced around. <laughs> I bounced around different um, elementary schools. Then I end up at John F. Kennedy Middle School. Um, I was too big. I was overweight to play like recreational football for a year. So I got into band. And the next year, uh, I was in high school. I went to Suncoast with Devin Hester. A lot of the guys went to high school. And I was two years there under the head coach of Jimmy Bell. And then I transferred to Inlet Grove, where I became under the leadership of Kevin McLeod. And that's when I, um, I found my, my niche where I played quarterback. Um, and at that point, man, I, I led the, the, the team to two playoff um, semifinals. We lost. We didn't make it that far. <laughs> but after that, after that, I had only um, 
two scholarships and one was before before we get into the, the college recruiting because we're going to ask a little bit about that well we want to talk about just your introduction to sports so you said that you were a little overweight so when you what was the first sport you played and how did that even how did that even come about well let's rewind so my brother was killed two years before i was born he was shot 30 30 feet from my home where i lived all my life at and um, he was a star athlete, defensive back, had scholarships from Michigan, Florida. Uh, he had scholarships from a lot of places named Donald Runner. And my mom always kind of like inched me away from playing sports. But at the neighborhood park where my brother was murdered, I used to always go up there, play basketball, football. And one of my friends at the time told me about organized sports at Revere Beach, which is uh, like a mile away. And then my mom kind of like led me into it. Like, you know, she kind of told me the story how things happen, and I was like, Mom, I really want to play football, so that's how I got into playing football, by going to the local park that my birth, my brother was murdered at, and it, it happened from there. Gotcha. Okay, good deal. So, um, yeah, we can uh, we can move forward from uh, from that. I, I guess, again, you're saying, like, you just kind of heard the stories about your brother, but was it any in particular, anything, any sports star, any guy that you kind of looked up to that, that at that young age that kind of kind of get got your wheels turning um, for for football or any other sport? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, my brother Donald half brother was Abram Elam, and Abram Elam was like a star in the community. And he went to Notre Dame, then went to Kent State, then played in the NFL for like seven years. And he was like my role model, who I looked up to, who I you know like everybody in the neighborhood. Abram Elam was the guy, you know. So he was a guy that I kind of like looked up to and. Was like man, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, how's your uh, recruiting process, man? After high school, you going to the college? How, how did that go? Oh, <laughs> well, my recruitment process was great. You know, I I, um, I didn't know nothing about HBCUs to be honest. I mm -hmm. historically black colleges and universities. I didn't have a clue. I had a letter from Hampton. I was like oh, Hampton. You know, I wanted to go to University of Miami, U UCF, big schools. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's that's common. And I had my first visit at Howard University, and it blew my mind. And Kerry okay. Bailey was the head coach there. Uh, the coach that recruited me was Andre Kramer. And Terry Sims at the time was the recruit coordinator at, at Howard, who is now the head coach at Bethune-Cookman. And, man, when I went to Howard, man, and I saw the basketball games, and, you know, I, I still want to go to that big-time school. But man, when I got back home and I saw the black excellence, I was like, nah, I want to go to Howard. So, so, so out of the recruiting process, so, so who, what other schools may have had interest in you at that time? Because I know you said, you know, again, growing up, you was a little um, overweight. So even getting into the quarterback position, I like to kind of understand that too, because in most cases, you know, you're talking about size and things like that. When you're in high school, you know, a lot of times, you know, you may play a different position. How did the quarterback situation even come about? Well, I played quarterback in rec, and I played quarterback um, going into Suncoast. But they wanted to switch me to an offensive line position, defensive line. But the second I transferred to Inlet Grove, the, my recreation coaches had their first opportunity to be in high school coaching. So they gave me the opportunity to be like, nah, you're going to play quarterback. And they, they, they gave me the opportunity because everybody told me that I couldn't play quarterback. I was too big, too slow. But I can throw the ball. But my, high, my recreation coaches had opportunities to get a high school job, and they – Coach Ed and Coach Neal, um, local coaches in the community of Revere Beach, they gave me the opportunity to play quarterback. Good deal. I mean, that's again that, like you said, at Suncoast, they may have wanted to put, put they wanted you to play a different position. 
Um, but going right. to the guys that that knew you, that had a track record, they knew what you were doing. You, like you said, in two years, man, you led those guys to the playoffs and uh, had some success. So going back to the uh, HBCU experience, I was asking. So you went to Howard. Now again, being an HBCU grad, Dre, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Dre, but as far as Howard and homecoming goes, bro, like from what I've heard, I haven't had a chance to experience it. But they are that, that is one of the best homecomings that there is yeah. in the country. I heard, I heard that. Yeah, I heard <laughs> so, that. so having the opportunity to go there on a visit and to see all of that, right? Um, uh, was there any other school that was even like you said? I know you're looking at some of the bigger schools that you was you were wanting to, but was there any other school um, being considered during that time? No, because my grades wasn't quite right. So Howard stuck with me, and. Um, other schools that I, you know, I could have walked on to UCF. I could have walked. I had a scholarship at Concordia D2 school. I had another scholarship. I can't think of the name. But um, I had a couple other small scholarships at D2 schools. But Howard stuck with me. And, you know, I'm, I was loyal to him. But, I, I, you know, and the homecoming is nice. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, like I said, being an HBCU grad, talking about the legacy, the history, and things like that, uh, uh, Howard being well known, you know, on so many different spectrums, entertainment and so forth. What was the biggest adjustment once you made that decision to say, "Hey, this is where I'm going"? What was the biggest adjustment coming from high school to now being on that college campus? I think the biggest adjustment is, you know, nobody telling you you have to do anything, you know. So in high school, my mom was like, you know, my mom, my mentor, lady I looked up to that pushed me. Hey, you got to get up, wake up, time to go to school. She never had to push me to work out anything, but she always was that, that pusher in college. You ain't had nobody to say, hey, you got 6 a.m. workouts. You know, at HBCU, most people don't know that. Some practices start at 5, 40, 45 a.m. in the morning because everybody has class conflicts and can't practice in the evening. So you got to be in the locker room at 4.30 sometimes, 4.45. Uh -huh. your, mom, your mom or your daddy can't be there to say, hey, get up or go to class, I got an eight o'clock class, or you got to go to study hall for 12 hours during the week, you know. So that's the biggest difference, I say, for me. And plus, it was really my first time being that far from Florida, all the way in D.C. So after one year, though, at Howard, you decided to transfer to, to, to Tuskegee. Uh, talk about that decision, and uh, how was their success, and your success at, uh, at Tuskegee? Um, well, I went to Howard for, I played two football seasons after the okay. year I wanted to leave. And um, I went to Tuskegee, and, you know, I thought it would be a, a better transition for me, actually. And it actually wasn't. You know, me and the coaches had different mindsets on things. And I actually decided to just focus on school after two seasons there, you know. I play. I felt like I, I knew I wasn't going to the NFL. I knew I was going to the CFL. You know, I was a social work major. Then I joined a, a fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma. And, um, you know, football was kind of a hope for me, man. I, I you know, most people don't understand, like, once you're done with the NFL and that new transition in life, it, it, it's, it's discouraging and it hurts. So uh, I knew my football journey had come to an end once, you know, I got to Tuskegee. I played things weren't going right for me, so I really focused on school. And that's interesting because, you know, a lot of guys, especially in HBCU situations, they have to find that that hardship or make that decision at some point, right? Because not everybody's going to make it to the league. Um, not everybody's right. going to get an opportunity to play at the next level, whether it be Canadian football or not. So being that you just kind of had to make that transition a little bit earlier, um, was that was, – was coaching in the thought process at all? So my senior year at 
at Tuskegee. I was a social work major, and we had to do an internship, and my internship was at the Federal Defenders of Montgomery, Alabama. So it was a 30-minute ride every morning, whole semester. That's what that's what that's your class. So every morning I, I woke up, I was like, man, I can't see myself doing this forever. I, I can't see myself waking up doing a nine to five. And you know, I wanted to be a US Marshal. That's what I was aiming towards for. But I said, what can I wake up every morning and love and 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 just enjoy? And that was me mentoring young black men, young men that look like myself. And you know, I wanted to be a high school coach. You know, I wanted to go come back to my community and be a, a head high school coach. And that's so I went back to the coaches that we, we didn't have the same agreement on things. And I said, can I just be a part of the video staff? And uh, Rodney Bivens sent me down, uh, Coach Higgin, all the coaches at Tuskegee, because I had a great um, relationship with them, great name. And I said, I really want to get in this coaching deal because I really want to help kids transition from a boy to a man. And um, he gave me some advice, that you really want to get in this business? I said, yeah. So I went to my first uh, AFC convention. I got big time. People don't probably know what big time mean. Like you go to a coach, you shake their hand, they look at another person's name and badge because you're not from a big time school. So I went through that process. And um, man, I was blessed to uh, come back home. And um, things, you know, skyrocket from there. And that's how I got in coaching. Okay. So you ended up going back home, back to FAU. And uh, after a year, they gave you the opportunity to be a coach. So uh, how, how did that go? How did that come about? Well, um, I must give credit due to uh, Abram Elam um, and Coach Jack Daniels. They knew the head coach, Charlie Partridge, at FAU style. And, um, man, uh, they, I didn't, I was, it was an internship as well, um, working with the special teams, and that's how that happened. And um, I worked there for, like, halfway through the season. And then my AD and head, um, my AD and principal of Inlet Grove called and said, would you like to be the um, – high school coach and I was like man at 24 I thought it was a, a blessing opportunity I, I mean especially uh you're talking about in South Florida where um you know you got legendary coaches there's not too many young guys getting head coaching jobs in South Florida because of you know it's just so much talent right you got so many qualified guys that kind of uh that kind of be at the helm of these things uh, at the helm of, of school football teams so this to, at, at 24 to kind of have that opportunity to me that kind of just jumped off the pages man that's you know again it's the school that you that's you know school that you attended uh but for them to kind of give you that opportunity uh can you was it was it just that um when you was thinking i'm just going back to be a head coach or did you have a bigger plan in mind of no no nah, nah, I, I actually did man i was I'm real big on be where your feet at, and also I'm big on, you know, do your best job where you're at and everything else take care of itself. So, man, I was blessed to be back here. I thought I was going to be here for a while, being a head coach. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to mentor young men in my community, help them grow, and them to become young men in the community and come back and help or achieve any other goals that they have in sight for themselves. So what did you walk into when you came from, from, from FA, you walked into a program as far as success-wise. What did you kind of walk into when you uh, took a oh, look man. They, they haven't won a game in two years. And, uh -huh. and um, you know, the AD went to another uh, position at another school, so I ended up becoming an athletic director as well. So, man, I came into an overwhelming situation where, you know, I had to take deep breaths and make smart decisions <laughs> for the betterment of the program. So. Um, in, in a year of time, we won two games, man, and I, I looked at that as a, as a blessing. 
Okay. After a successful turnaround, Yamamata, um, another opportunity popped up. What, what was the opportunity? Well, um, I was I always check football scoop and I always check um, things of, you know, staying in tune with the football coach because whoever comes to the school, I want to be acquainted with them and make sure I'm, you know, understand the recruitment process. And I saw Bethune Cookman had a quarterback GA open. So I went back home, talked to my mama, prayed. And the head coach at the time was the head coach that recruited me from Howard, Terry Sims. So and he's still there. And I called Coach Sims. I said, man, Coach, I'm really thinking about, you know, transitioning to college, you know, see if that's for me. You know, I really like this coaching thing. I'm really getting into it. And he asked me a couple questions. And he told me to just drive up for an interview with uh, Jim Pratt, the offensive coordinator. And, man, God was with me, and it took off from there. So you mentioned Bethune-Cookman, my beloved university institution, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you, you, you made that transition and made the decision to say, okay, now I'm going to take it back to the college level um, as an opportunity after being at your, at your high school. Um, but, but, but that didn't necessarily play out how you, maybe you would expect it to kind of come through the ranks, work your way up, get into a full coaching uh, position. Uh, kind of tell us what happened at, with your time at, uh, at BCU and, and what that led to. Um, uh, it was beautiful, man. I love Bethune Cookman. They dear to my heart. Um, I had opportunity to work with Jim Pratt, offensive coordinator. Um, and I was working with the quarterbacks at the time. Um, Larry Brim was the starting quarterback there. And, man, Coach Sims, he, he opened his arms to me, man, and I had an opportunity to learn. And, and fortunately, it was an internship that uh, somebody backed out of that took place at the Pro Bowl when the Pro Bowl was first in Orlando. Mm -hmm. and, and Coach Sims called me and said, hey, Terry, somebody backed out. We don't need you for recruitment season right now for this week. You know, you can just go over there. You never know who you might shake hands with, but it's a great opportunity, you know, for you to, you know, network. You know, I was like, you sure you don't need me, Coach? He was like, nah. So I was like, well, I thought it was – I'm looking at it as a, well, it's a good way to get away, you know, water for store in a hotel, get to stay there for a week, free food. You know, my class is <laughs> online. I'm just, you know, I was looking at it as like a, a reward for, for the year. So I went. I said, like, yeah, Coach, I don't mind. You know, a, a guy from the compliance department didn't go. One of the GAs didn't go. Didn't want to go. Well, he had another obligation. So he could he had to go to to that one. So that's how uh, Lynn, the AD Lynn, contacted Coach Sims and told asked him for me to go to uh, Orlando. Okay. And so while you were in your time there in Orlando, uh, what 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 chance encounter did you have, uh, and 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 what did that end up leading to? Oh man, it was a beautiful. Uh, it was a game changer for my for my life, to be honest. Um, I, you know, people always say be at the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And really, that's my, my, my situation. But I believe God placed me there to meet um, people that mentor me today in my career. And um, I had opportunity to work with Troy Vincent's staff, Kim Fields, uh, the player engagement side of, of the NFL, um, Michael Leach, um, Akil, all these guys on the operations side. So I did nothing with football. I was like sending out FedExes, holding the chains on the sideline, making sure the guys get to their uh, community relations activities in the community, make sure they come, go to practice on time, anything they need in the hotel. So I was shaking hands at why I was doing it at the same time, and I was on the AFC side, which is the Kansas City Chiefs side. Um, no, I'm sorry. I was on the NFC side. I was on the Cowboys side. And I had a chance to shake hands with all the Cowboys coaches. 
But Coach Reed was on the AFC side, and I was always a big fan of Coach Reed, you know, since Philly. And one day I was in the cafeteria eating early because I tried to get out out of their uh, the coach's way. And it was just this, this um, African-American man sitting down, eating lunch, older guy. I know he had a KC hat on. And we started talking. We had a great conversation. He said he went to HBCU. And then he said, uh, you know, you know, he told me his position. And I'm still – I have no clue. And we, I had another guy that came over from Bethune, too, Winston, sat down, and he would start talking. But he was on the uh, equipment side of things. And me and this guy kept talking, the older guy. And he said, what you really want to do? I just say, I just really want to learn the game. Come to find out, I'm talking to a Hall of Famer, Emmett Thomas. I had no idea. And that led me – uh, well, I, was, I had to go outside and um, get on my post to make sure all the players get to practice. And at that time, I saw another guy in the lobby I was just talking to, and that was Ted Cruz. And, um, man, Ted Cruz, the first one to introduce me to uh, Coach Reed. And E.T. and um, Ted Cruz basically introduced me to Coach Reed. Okay, so with that introduction, you know, of course, kind of lead, lead us to just like the process of – of that introduction to how an opportunity presented itself. Man, it was a blessing, man. Um, Ted brought Coach Reed to me, said a couple words. You know, E.T. said, he, I like this young man. E.T. didn't know me from a can of paint. And um, Coach Reed, first, I'll never forget this line. Coach Reed said, oh, yeah, I played football at Granville. You know, that was his joke. You know, so I was like, <laughs> oh, he knows something about HBCU. I know, I, you know, I, you know he's a very smart man. And uh, I just shook his hand. Um, he was like, send me your resumes, things might happen. And I sent it to Ted, actually, Ted Cruz. And, um, man, I was working the game, working the game. And after the game, I made sure that I went up to Coach Reed to shake his hand and say, thank you for the conversation. Two weeks later, um, Eric Bienemy texted me, and I've been with the Chiefs for four years. Wow. That's what's up, man. So what was your expectation going from high school to, to NFL? And how did you kind of – how did you handle that? How, how did you make the adjustment? I, my expectations, I, I didn't – I was more like focused. Let me just do my task each and every day yeah. and um, do what's required of me, stay in my lane. It's rather be seen than um, seen than heard, you know. That was my main – that's how I stayed and made connections and worked hard and just learning, you know, learning. And, and, and the thing about it, I played quarterback. I'm on the defensive side for the last four years. So I've been on the defensive side. So I've been learning – a side that I never knew about, and it's it been a blessing. So, um, being we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk a little bit more about Emmett Thomas, right? Because um, that that guy, I'm, I'm just talking about my experience with him. You know, being a young guy in the NFL, you know, I, I was part of my responsibility was going to uh, combine. So, just in the combine, and I, I was familiar with who he was because one of my college teammates played for him in Atlanta. Um, Eric Weems played in Atlanta with with ET, and he would always just mention things about him, saying, "Man, how you know how how cool this guy was." So I was vaguely uh, familiar with him. knew he was an HBCU grad, knew he was a Hall of Famer. So you know, just when you are socializing with coaches in NFL, just different people, you don't know who's really gonna talk to you, right? It's just you know, especially if you're not a you know a coach or you know a bigger name guy, or whatever former player. You just never know who's going to talk to you. So I went and sat beside him, and I just, you know, wanted to pick his brain. And, man, we're just having great conversation. So he asked me where I went. I said, I went to Bethune-Cookman. He said, man, we just hired a guy from Bethune-Cookman. And I was like, really? So um, he was like, yeah, when you get him, make sure that, I, you know, I introduce you to him. So lo and behold, that's where I had the opportunity to meet Terry. And, you know, again, I took pride in just connecting with brothers that looked like me 
um, because it, 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 it's tough. So it's tough to kind of navigate that. So I would just um, uh, impressed by his story, impressed by your journey. But more importantly, you had the opportunity to kind of walk side by side with the legendary Emmett Thomas. Can you talk a little bit about what that relationship meant to you and what, uh, what type of impact that had on you? Oh, man. E.T. is probably the closest person to me besides my parents. And just learning from growing as a man, uh, growing as a person, uh, faith and wisdom. Man, he, he has stories just not about X and O's, about, you know, being a person and how to treat people. And I'm just, you know, every day working for him before he retired, I learned so much on how to carry myself in the building, how to talk, you know, how to, I can be able to control any room that I am in, no matter what is going on. So, you know, I have the utmost respect for uh, E.T. And also he's a, a excellent and a, a hell of a ball coach. You know, he don't need no computer. He can remember things. He is a great teacher. Uh, you know, he breaks it down for any individual can learn the defensive back position. And I had a true chance to work with him one-on-one -on -one because my first year I was with the DBs. So, you know, I, I learned a lot from him and I'm grateful that God put him in my life and uh, it means a lot to me. Good deal. Okay. So working so close with the players, man, you know, you, you're not that old, you know what I mean? The, the players probably, your, your age is a little bit older than you, so... Uh, how do you how do you earn their respect, man? How you get their respect? You like putting them like, okay, he 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 legit guy. He gonna we gotta respect him. How you get their respect? Um, from? um, I'm, I I got in the league at 26, so you right. A lot of them was I'm yeah. 29 now. A lot of them was uh my age, and some of them still older than me, and some of them the same age. But I think the the biggest thing is being truthful with them. You know, it, it doesn't matter how much money they have, or you know, because a lot of these guys got guys around them that you know they're because of the fame and what they can bring down. And my job as a coach, I think, is to be honest. If you're wrong, you're wrong. If you're right, you're right. And, you know, iron sharper iron. That's what Coach Fags always teach us and what he taught me. And I think that's how I gain trust with guys and gain uh, respect and, and and a way that we can build a relationship. And then I think that transition to if I say something on the field or if I have a suggestion, you know, normally I'm a, I'm a quality control, so normally I let the, the, uh, the D-line coach or DB coach do their job. I know my place, but if I do say a suggestion or a word or two, they'll listen because I respect them as a man and they respect me as a man. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a great question, man. And um, uh, I can relate to that um, as well, coming in as an intern, but my job was so encompassed. I was so entangled with everything from players, coaches, front office, like I had kind of a unique position. Um, and, you know, being in a locker room and working so closely with players, uh, that was one of the things I was older when I got in. I was closer to the, uh, I was almost 30. So about 30 when I got in. So I, you know, I understood and I had been around different guys and things like that, but I knew more importantly for me, it was about my respect for them and, and, and wanting them to respect me. So I just kind of conducted myself in that way. So, man, I totally get that. I can relate to that. Um, but I want to just talk about, man, just so, 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 so some of these kids that's listening can just understand, man, you took a couple chances, man. So like, you know, taking chances or stepping up to opportunity that was presented itself, like God rewarded you with the opportunity. And now you find yourself kind of uh, running with some of the biggest and the brightest stars in the game, right? And, uh, at the highest level. And, you know, you guys had the opportunity to make a run last year. Can you, uh, can you just kind of talk about that experience leading up to that, 
to that game that happened to be played just south of where you're from in your hometown, man. Can you just talk about that whole experience and kind of moving around with some of the, you know, some of the most – the brightest guys in this game? Oh, man, it, it, it was awesome because I'm, I'm literally an hour away from Miami and I always wanted to play for the Miami Dolphins because of I'm from, you know, an hour away, Miami Dolphins going to their games. So the Miami Dolphins players, you know, Dan Marino, you know, these guys, they, you know, they like Sam Madison, who I work with now, but all these guys are, you know, big time to me because that's what I watched growing up. And for me to, you know, before the game, I just took a pause and just looked around. I was really looking for the flash and lights. You know how you see it before the game, the cameras, but I really didn't see it. Maybe it happened when you're watching TV, but I was really looking for that. And then I also paused and just thank God for me being here because, um, you know, it, it was a blessing, man. And the, the, the smartest guys in the game from the coaching side, being with the Chiefs, it's just all a blessing, man. Just something to take in and, you know, and, and it was it was a great experience. I hope I answered the question. And kind of also wanted you to kind of talk about like what the what that journey was like. How okay, y'all started off the year and you knew you know uh, Pat coming in with big expectations off of MVP year. Um, just kind of you know the just the thought process of knowing that man, y'all really had a real good opportunity. Kind of seeing it unfold throughout the throughout the year. Just kind of seeing things fall y'all way. Well. I, I, it's from a coaching perspective. It's really taking one game at a time, and and um, really they wasn't looking for all the way down the schedule. You know, you're looking at okay, this game, the next game. I'm taking one game at a time, and really trusting the process of what uh, the coaches are giving to the players and the players are taking and doing on the field. And, and that's the most enjoyment going all the way to the Super Bowl is basically trusting the process and going in every week and, and grinding hard to for a, a good outcome. And that was the most exciting part of the journey, just seeing the process really working at hand by actually just working hard and staying true to who you are. Absolutely. And that was definitely a, a, a ideal coach's response there, man. One game at a time, <laughs> not looking past that, man. But I know you had the opportunity to have your mom there. And I just kind of want to reflect on, you know, uh, maybe uh, a promise that you may have made in terms of like, you know, your brother and, you know, wanting to do some things, man, but having an opportunity to have her there for you, man. How did that feel? How did that make you feel? Oh, uh, man, I always tell my mom that I'm going to finish what Donald started. And Donald has other brothers, too. But um, I got into the coaching side, and, man, my mom always told her that, you know, I'm going to finish what he started. And it's not even about playing football, just graduating from high school, graduating from college, now being in the NFL from the coaching standpoint. And to have her there, my son, uh, my fiance, and um, some people from her family, some people from my family, it was just an awesome feeling. And also having my dad there. And, man, it was just an awesome feeling to have everybody in my circle there to see, you know, us win that game. It was, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. What advice would you give, you know, a, a young kid from your community, you know, if they want to – if they looking to coach, you know, go to make to the NFL, well, make to the NFL or be a coach, what, what kind of advice would you, would you give them? Uh, my first advice is write your goals down and, and find people – like, for me – Every, I always say this, that everybody's journey is different. But the main thing on everybody's journey that nobody can avoid is the process and hard work and trusting in. I trust in God and my belief, whatever belief or religion that you may be trusting in, you know, you have to trust that. But I put all my faith in God. And 
I really believe that he's guided me and put me in the right places and the right people to meet. And not saying I'm like this, you know, saying on on a pedestal trying to preach, but I think he put me in the right place at the right time. But if you look, listen to my whole journey, I had downsets. I had, I wasn't, uh, I had to work at it. I was overweight. Um, I didn't go, my, my college plan didn't go as well. So it was a lot of phases where, okay, this didn't go. I had to climb back up. This didn't go I'm back down. I had to climb back up. So my advice to a young person is you're going to have a long journey of heading. And one thing about me, I'm still on my journey. You know, I have a long way to go. So things might go good. Things might not go good. But if you just stay true to who you are and work hard and don't worry about what you look like, it doesn't matter about it's about how you work and how hard you work and your, your integrity and character it really shows because your resume is you coming in every day and people have to understand and the young people in my community, what I preach to them is go get your degree, you know, play football as much as you can use the game because the game going to use you. What I mean by that is get everything you can out of football because eventually football is going to be over. And what you have done with your football career, not just on the field, but your relationship you build with your coaches, your, your teachers, those people are the people that's going to vouch for you in the near future for you to go and, okay, I want to learn how to open up a McDonald's and be an owner. Well, you're going to need those resources from the people that you came into going up the tree because you're going to see the same people when you come down that tree. So it's just a, a, a mutual understanding of learning and growing. And what I tell people in my community, you can do anything you can, you want to do. It's just up to you and you really going after it. And, and don't give it up when it's a no, you know. Just got to keep going and open up the door. Because one of them going to knock. If you knock on 20 doors, somebody going to open one of them. And that one might be that one opportunity me going to the Pro Bowl. That one opportunity me going to be Emmett Thomas. You know, that one opportunity me shaking Coach Reed Ham. So it only takes one time. And it's just when you get that opportunity, what you do with it. So that's my main advice to uh, people in my community that I love, and that's what I do now. I wish I, all this COVID-19 wasn't happening because I'll definitely be doing community service in my community. Team Elam, he has a big foundation here. Uh, Jacoby said all these guys does great things in the community. And, and the people that look like us and going to the community, let them know you don't have to be what people imagine you to be or statistic. You could be more than that. You could be the principal of the school if that's what you want to be. You could be a lawyer. You could be a doctor. You could be somebody that people come to for counseling or psychiatrists. Or you could go into the coach profession. You don't have to just run with the football. You can teach people to run with the football. So there's different ways and avenues that you can go to be successful in life. And then the ultimate thing that I teach them, once you feel like you made success or once you're going to success, come back reach out your hand and help somebody else because that's what it's all about. Absolutely, man. Now, again, mm -hmm. that's, that, that hits on just pretty much everything that we stand on because we, we push beyond just being an athlete, just thinking about football and football only. We want you to be able to expand your horizon, expose yourself to different opportunities because at some point the game will come to an end as a player. At some point, whether you make it to the pro or not, your career will come to an end. So being able to have – something to stand on once they come to an end, man. And that's so valuable, man. So we appreciate you coming on, man, uh, jumping on for your that's time. Cool. I know you got things going, man. You guys are getting ready for a season and, and and those type of things. So, man, we want to appreciate you for coming on, spending time with the podcast. And, man, we wish you nothing but success now. We will be reaching out to you, uh, you know, once you become a head coach and all those other things, man. We just want to make sure that you, that you pick up the phone call for us, man. So we just uh, – uh, Always. 
congratulations, much success, man. Again, another Super Bowl winning uh, coach uh, on the podcast, man. So thanks again for your time and nothing but success. All right, man. Thanks, bro. I appreciate y'all having me on. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.